Welcome to the Marketing Millennials, the no BS marketing podcast. I'm Daniel Murray, and join me for unfiltered conversations with the brains behind marketing's coolest companies. The one request I tell our guests, stories or it didn't happen. Get ready to turn the f*** up. All great content falls into four simple categories. Educational content, engaging content, entertaining content, or empowering content. And if you can create a piece of content that falls into one of these categories, you've essentially created a piece of content that an audience that you have researched and already understand is going to resonate with. What's up? What's up, everybody? I'm excited for the session with Ross. Ross is one of the best content marketers I've ever seen. Really great at content distribution. He's actually mastered the game here. A statement that always sticks by me with Ross is great ones distribute forever. And I would like to welcome Ross to the stage. Hey, everybody. Super excited to be here. This is going to be fun. Yeah, let's just get right into it. I want to start off with asking you just like what makes great content before we take into like what how to distribute great content is what makes it. Yeah, no, I think that's a great fundamental question to start with. And it's one that we don't ask enough. My belief is that all great content falls into four simple categories, educational content, engaging content, entertaining content, or empowering content. And if you can create a piece of content that falls into one of these categories, you've essentially created a piece of content that an audience that you have researched and already understand is going to resonate with. So no matter if you're trying to talk to moms, no matter if you're trying to talk to CFOs, or if you're trying to talk to digital marketers, or even somebody who works in the the food products industry, it doesn't matter the lane in which these people are in. They all want content that's either going to educate them on how to do new things, insights around things that they're trying to better understand, learn about your product, learn about new information at large, that falls into the educational content. They all want that. But they also want engaging content. We as humans like to have a dialogue. We want to be interacted with. So if you can create content that is engaging in nature, that lures people in through personal stories, through thought starters, by having opinion pieces, or even ruffling the feathers and saying something that's controversial, that engaging content lures people in in a way that will drive value that will result in value for your business and the stories that you're creating. The next type is entertaining content. We all want to laugh. We all want to feel good. So if you can make people laugh, if you can make people smile, if you can provide them with some entertainment, and it doesn't always have to be laughter, right? Entertainment can be anger. If you can evoke anger in people, that is great content. If you can leverage pop culture and memes and things of that nature to inspire people, That too is entertainment and that is content that people want. And then the fourth type that I talked about as it relates to these four E's is empowering content. If you can create content that celebrates other people, that showcases other people, that elevates other people, other brands, other organizations, and this is something the Marketing Millennials does so well on LinkedIn, if you can empower other people with your own brand and your own voice, you have the opportunity to essentially tap into their network because they're going to share it. They're going to amplify it. And ultimately it's going to give you the chance to build a tribe. So educate, engage, entertain, and empower. Those are the four key things that you need to consider first and foremost, when you're creating any type of content. Yeah. So when you remember those four E's, everybody just document that I want to go into, I know you tweeted something the other day and this is like something that people just don't do is how do you go about like, knowing your audience to be able to 
yeah create educating empowering like because i think that's a step that people miss they just start creating content that they think is educating they think is empowering yeah i think it starts by understanding the importance of really getting to what i call content user fit and content user fit is understanding your audience in the sense that you spend the time up front to really understand what stories and what topics are going to motivate them. So when they are inside of a forum or inside of a community, what stories does oftentimes rises to the top? For example, if I'm going after um, a service provider audience, so MSPs, that niche, it's a very small segment of the tech world, but like the people who take care of your laptops, et cetera, there's a subreddit that has over 200,000 MSPs subscribed to it. So if I need to create content for this group of people, I'm not just going to drink a whiskey and come up with the ideas off the top of my head. I'm going to go into a community where they're spending time. I'm going to sort that content by top posts. And I'm going to start to analyze what stories resonated with this community time and time again, and then use that for insight around this is the type of story that I need to give back to them. These are the types of pieces of content that I need to create because it clearly resonated with them. So you go into the channels, you go into the communities where your audience is spending time, you learn about your audience, and then you give them content that is going to resonate with them. And it doesn't just live on Reddit. You can do this on Twitter by doing research. You can go into Quora. You can go into forums. You can even go inside of Facebook groups where your audience is spending time and just immerse yourself with the culture in the space that your audience is within. Some people I know will say that it's so hard to create this type of content. And that's why you're such a big advocate on distribution because you can create a long, great piece of content and then yeah. chop it up into a hundred. So how do you think about that? Like creating that piece of content that is perfectly ready to go distribute on the channels that you want to go distribute yeah. on? This is something that we come up across, across a lot of industries, a lot of uh, dialogues with marketers is like, this is very hard. And I think you can do things that are hard or you can do things that are easy. If you do things that are easy, then you're going to blend in with everybody else. So yes, it doesn't have to be hard. You don't have to put in the work. You can say, I'm okay with doing the exact same as everyone else in this industry, and I'm comfortable being mediocre. Or you can acknowledge the fact that doing hard things is also what typically leads to the greatest breakthroughs and the greatest pieces of content. So yes, it is very, very difficult. I would be a liar if I stood up here and I said, creating great content is easy. If it was easy, there would be a million Mr. Beasts in the world, but instead there's only one. And that is because he has made the time and the investment to create content that truly requires the research to understand your audience, to understand what people, what moves people, to understand the psychology of content, to understand the nuances around what goes into it. So yes, it is hard, but we should take that as marketers, as a badge of honor, rather than something that we look at and say, oh, I don't want to do it because it's difficult. Imagine you walk in for a surgery and the doctor said, no, it's going to be too hard. We can't, we can't fix you. It would be a slap in the face. This doctor is literally go, spent their entire life to build up a skill set so they can do hard things. So we as marketers and as creators should be encouraged and feel empowered to take on hard tasks like creating very, very, very good content. And then once we've done that, we then need to ensure that we're distributing it. We then need to ensure that the stories that we're creating and the messages that we're putting out there are actually worth sharing because oftentimes we'll let it collect us. We'll press publish on a piece of content. We'll say job is done. We'll pop a bottle of bubbly and say, look at us. We're, we're great. No, 
Creating good content is table stakes today. You are supposed to create great content. It's this old Chris Rock joke where he said, um, everybody asks for awards and applause because they raise their kids after they have a child. Like you don't get brownie points for raising your child. That is what you're supposed to do if you're a parent. The same thing exists in content marketing. You don't get brownie points for creating good content if you're a content marketer. That is what you're literally supposed to do. That is what your job is, to create good content that leads to results. And then the next step, is to distribute that content. And that's where the agencies, the industry, in my opinion, has fallen through the cracks. We've gone so far to this point where over and over again, we're talking about create more content, write more content, develop more videos. You just need to think like a media company and produce, 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 produce. When in reality, the best media companies, the best organizations that think media first tap into distribution consistently across the board. Disney doesn't just create a movie and hope people watches it. They amplify that movie consecutively over years and decades to come. They remix the old Lion King and turn it into a new Lion King with Beyonce and Childish Gambino, and they bring it to life with new stories, new people, with new graphics. That is how a media company thinks. But for some reason, the industry is being sold this idea that you just need a content calendar with a few blog post ideas that will send you in a Google Sheet or a Notion doc, and that's your strategy. It's not. You have to understand how these stories are going to spread. You have to know where your audience is, and then you have to spread those stories effectively across the internet. Yeah, let's go into like the basic of it right now. So like, you create this great piece of content. How many channels do you start distributing on? How many pieces of content should you distribute on each of those channels right. like how do how do you think about that because i sometimes i think it's even better to just like i'm going to start up distributing on just linkedin and i'm just going to be great on linkedin but i'm going to post as much as i can on linkedin and once i'm great on linkedin i'm going to start taking the content that i've already made and start doing it on twitter and so or do you go with the mentality of like of the gate let's distribute it to like all the channels that my audiences it, it depends on the situation if we're talking about a solopreneur uh, early stage startup then i rely heavily on advice that my dad gave me way back in the day which was it's always better to have one good kid than two bad and when you look at social media it's the exact same thing it's better to be really really good on one channel than mediocre across everything so if you're a solopreneur if you're just getting started you're early stage startup Find excellence on one channel, be amazing at it, own it, be great at it, and then move on to the next one. Once you've established content user fit, content channel fit, and you know that you can leverage that channel to drive results, then you move on to the next one. Now, if you are a company that is already at a scale and a lot of foundations clients, a lot of brands that we work with already have a presence on Twitter, LinkedIn, on Facebook. They oftentimes will have newsletters, et cetera. We don't have the luxury of being able to say, let's just focus on this one specific niche. They're already present on a lot. So we have to go in with excellence applied to multiple channels. And in those situations, you do have to start to kind of develop content distribution and creation strategies that are isolated to those channels. So every situation is going to be different. Every organization's approach is going to be different. But I think if you're small, one and then many, but if you are large and you already have a brand presence, you have to start at scale trying to crack excellence across all the channels that you already have invested in. Everything in life is resource-based and how you right. can resource. Right. Um, but I also wanted to go, because I think there's there, some of the greatest content people can do both, but do you think that like 
people should hire for a content distributor versus and a content creator? Is it a separate role or I know yeah. for a small company, obviously it's a little harder to do that. Like you're only ever, but like for a bigger company, do you think that is a separate role that they take up the existing content that's being made and chopping it up into all these other channels? hundred percent. I believe that in the future, we're going to have directors of distribution at organizations because distribution is so important. When you think about the amount of resources invested into content marketing engines today at some of these companies, it's significant. And some of these organizations have been at it for years where they've been producing and creating content for five, 10 years. They have a blog, they have white papers, they have webinars, they have a ton of social posts that have been produced and shared. Over that time, it's been literally millions of dollars worth of time or money invested into this content and it collects dust. So instead of just sitting on that investment, what we should be doing is repurposing, repackaging and resharing some of that content. Yes, it would be ideal for a CMO or a director of marketing to be able to think in this way to just execute it. But the industry has gone so far on the creation side that this skill set is actually still very rare, that it needs to be developed, that the thinking needs to be developed. And that's why a lot of brands are coming to foundation to support them on the distribution of the content that they've produced. So for me, me, I think an ideal world in an ideal industry would be one where distribution is seen as a true vertical of true area within the business unit of marketing where somebody owns the distribution efforts. So would I encourage a team to hire a distribution marketer? A hundred percent. You bring in a distribution expert, you bring in someone who would work directly with your writer. So when that writer is creating a piece of content, they write a brief surrounding the piece that they're going to develop. The content distribution expert can then look at that brief and start to begin the analysis of channels in which this piece is going to make sense to be repurposed on. Should this be an Instagram reel? Should this be a carousel on LinkedIn? Should this be submitted to this subreddit in this community? Or do we need to repackage this piece of content into a long form post that we can repost on Reddit? That should be the job of that distribution expert within the company. And then at a higher level, when you start to think about distribution as a complete angle within the marketing lens, That person starts to think about distribution beyond just organic social. They're thinking about distribution of the product. They're thinking about distribution through partner channels. They're thinking about distribution through affiliate partnerships, through backlink outreach, through SEO, through the ability to distribute webinars that were created with partnerships, things of that nature. So it goes a lot bigger than that. Now, at a smaller scale, when you're just getting started, you have to wear multiple hats. And some of you are probably hearing me speak and you're like, yeah, I would love to do all of these things, but I have a content calendar that has me required to produce five pieces a month. Stop doing that. Stop creating five pieces a month when you don't have time to promote and amplify five pieces a month. You can't promote them. Why are you creating them? If you don't have time to amplify and distribute the content that you are creating, you are literally just wasting your time. You're not investing enough time into distribution. Most people this year, already towards the end of the year, have created enough content for the year. Start going back into your archives, look at that piece that you created in Q2 and start amplifying it again. Start repackaging it, resharing it, because you can get the same amount of results that you're going to get from trying to create a brand new piece. So instead of getting into this ongoing challenge of, oh, we need to create, 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 scale back on your creation increase your distribution, and you can actually find that you'll be able to do just as much, if not more, in terms of results with your uh, distribution engine. 
Yeah, the biggest mindset shift I've made probably in the last six months, I've always been distributing content, but the way I help me think of it a lot more is if you consider your pro- content as a product, right, then the product has to create value for your audience. Right. The product has to be seen by people because you have to sell the product. So it has to be marketed and sold to people. So if you think of it as a product, then you just, you're like, okay, I'm going to make the greatest piece of content. And then I'm going to figure out the most people to get in the hands of the most amount of people and deliver it where they're delivering it. Just like an e-com store would say, hey, oh, it might be good to now go retail. It might not be good to go put it on Amazon. It might not be good to it's the same as content. It's like now it might be good to put it on a Reddit thread or this is where all marketers are hanging out or MSPs are hanging out or these people are hanging out. Yep. So I want to dive into this a little more because I know a lot of things is content marketing is like one of the most under resources groups because people just don't invest in it. And that's just a sad truth about content. But how do you think about the process to scale up this effort, like creating that like foundation to scale up this effort. So it starts with having one person in the org or in the team that is bought into the idea, right? Like you need to be a believer that you should be distributing your content and be bought into that idea. Once you've done that, what you want to actually do is just simply look at content that does not get distributed and then analyze the pieces that do get distributed and then show your leadership team that you're seeing a return that is greater on those assets that are distributed versus those assets that are not. And when you can have that conversation where you say, look, we just took some of the pieces that had never been distributed and then added some distribution layer to it where we created some Twitter threads, we shared it on LinkedIn a little bit more, we submitted it to the subreddit, we answered these questions in Quora, we executed some distribution efforts associated with it, and we saw a 4x return in terms of the ROI of this type of distribution engine. It makes it easier for them to say, okay, we need to adjust your workload, we need to adjust the way in which we're allocating your time. In cases where you need to really grow and start to get buy-in on net new people, you have to start asking your team and asking your, your colleagues and peers like, okay, how can we distribute content that has a high conversion rate so we can demonstrate ROI from these distribution efforts? So have you created over the last few years a single piece of content that when it went live for the very first time, drove a bunch of leads? Maybe, maybe not. If you have, and it was a direct business impact, Take that asset, distribute it, amplify it, and the proof is going to be in the pudding. The proof is going to be that when you amplify this piece again, two months, two quarters, maybe even two years later, it still works. It's still driving results. So what does that show your team? It shows the team that you need to be investing in distributing these pieces of content more regularly rather than constantly in that cycle of create, create, create. Let's try to find the next great piece. How do you think about content channel fit or content Mm. user fit for like like how do you think about when to distribute it on certain platforms or not distribute it on certain platforms how do you like analyze that yeah so you first start by understanding where your audience is spending time and the way that you do that is twofold either you're going to have one-on-one dialogue and conversations with them or you're going to do some qualitative research. So you're going to go to a wide range of different channels and try to see, okay, is our audience spending time on this channel? For example, we all know that the vast majority of people at 
across the world are still on Facebook. Hate it or love it, people are on Facebook. So a simple search is going to be like, is there a Facebook group that exists where my audience is spending time? Once you find that group, you're going to look, what is the number of people inside of this group? How much engagement is happening within this group? If you see that the number is in the thousands, if it's hundreds of thousands of people who happen to join a group, let's say I'm a a tool that is selling a software for e-commerce founders, a Shopify plugin of some sort. If I go to Facebook groups right now and I type in Shopify entrepreneurs, I'm probably going to find a group with 100,000 entrepreneurs who are interested in Shopify or run their product on Shopify. That is channel user fit. The channel is Facebook groups. The audience that I'm trying to connect with is Shopify entrepreneurs. No one is joining a Shopify entrepreneurs group that isn't a Shopify entrepreneur or someone who has some skin in the game in that space. So I join that group and then I'm going to start to look for trends and signals around what types of content went live in these communities that generated a bunch of engagement, which ones stirred up a lot of dialogue, stirred up a lot of conversations. And when you find those, you now have content market fit. You know that this market cares about the topic that was covered within this space. You do this over and over again in different types of communities. LinkedIn, you do the same thinking, but instead of going into a LinkedIn group, maybe you simply look at the hashtag associated with your industry. Hashtag marketing. Okay, now I'm going to analyze and see what types of stories do marketers resonate with often. What types of stories are typically getting tons and tons of traction on LinkedIn? And you use that to understand, okay, my audience is here. That's a first run. Then two, what is content user fit on this channel? I'm going to look at the top five influencers on LinkedIn that are in the marketing space. And I'm going to look at all of their posts for the last 30 days. And I'm going to look for a trend that shows me that certain types of content are more likely to resonate than others. This is the work that needs to be done prior to creating, prior to distribution that is so key to unlocking content marketing success today. One thing that I love that you're saying, and I'm going to use like a sports analogy here. Say you're a rookie on a football team or, or a star on a football team. You can't just go and be like, I am the all-star player. I'm going to run the playbook. You're going to follow me. You have to understand who the coaches are, who are the author, other authors on the team, who the who are you playing against, who everything. And then once you've like learned the system, learned everything, then you can start making inputs into that system. But a lot of people, what they forget is that you can't just go on LinkedIn and start posting without understanding how LinkedIn works, how yeah. who are the players in the market, what are people resonating with. You can't just say like a lot of people do this and they say, well, my posts aren't working because – they for no reason and i'm like yeah but you have to spend time on each platform that's why i think some of the best marketers are on channels even though that they're not producing there yet just so they understand what actually works on those channels 100%. Uh, 100%. what has like changed from like five years ago till now and like what do you think it's evolving into so how do you think this like content distribution is mo- moving I think the biggest shift right now um, is the increased demand and requirement of video content. So video content for years was very difficult to create. It was difficult to create because cameras were expensive. Our mobile phones were not good. Data was a real expensive thing. Um, There was a lot of 
challenges to create high value, high quality video. But today it's scaled back significantly where you can create some amazing video content and the algorithms are now smart enough to be able to caption and use what is being said in a video to understand and demonstrate and, commu and show search intent related content. And what I mean by that is before, when you thought about SEO, you were only thinking about written content. Today, video content is also a play to be had when it comes to SEO. It's not oftentimes talked about because nobody reads the words unless you have ca uh, closed captioning on, but Google is able to use the words that are being said when it's uploaded to video to YouTube to understand what is being described. And you can create video content today that ultimately ranks in Google for high value search terms that your audience is looking for, but your competitors are only creating written content about. Now, this does not really go too deep typically in the mindset of a content distribution chat because we oftentimes view SEO as not being distribution, but SEO is truly just a distribution channel. It's a distribution network. Google, which is a place that people go to find answers to questions, is a distribution channel. And if you can create video content that answers questions that people have within your space, within your industry, and align that with search intent, you have an opportunity, I believe today, that is as real, as valuable as it was back in 2012 to just get started in SEO and create written content. I believe video right now is one of the most powerful opportunities that exists as an SEO strategy. But more than that, sorry, I get passionate about this stuff. But more than that, it's also an opportunity on other channels. All of the algorithms are associated with LinkedIn, Facebook, et cetera, are skewing in the benefit of video content. So if you can create video content, if you can distribute video content, I believe you're going to see a significant amount of returns in comparison to the written content that used to take off five years ago. Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of questions about buy-in. And yeah. I know you, you've talked about it a little bit in the chat, but like how how have you as an agency got executive buying because you you do, you do this all the time to get buying but how do you encourage like those content marketers or those people internally to get buy-in to be able to yeah. do this distribution effort so you have to do the math right like i think a lot of times marketers rely too heavily on gut but we have to talk money and we have to talk real business stuff here. Like we need to talk about the numbers associated with the ROI of the efforts that we're doing. So let's break this down in terms of how you can do it. Every single day, if you are pressing publishes on pieces of content, that content is generating traffic. That traffic has two types of value. One, the value that it actually will return to your business, meaning these are people who are consuming your content and they'll eventually become leads or customers or signups and they will make a financial transaction. That is one thing that you should be measuring across the board. Now, if you have your analytics set up across the board, you should be able to measure with some decency how and what the source is of that traffic. If you are seeing that a percentage of your traffic is coming from Quora, coming from Reddit, coming from LinkedIn, and it's converting into dollars, then that is a valuable insight that you should be able to use to sell the story internally around we're seeing an increase in the amount of conversions from this channel. Let's invest in distribution so we can move these numbers up. Now, some of it's not going to be able to be measured. That's okay. In those cases, though, what I believe you should also be thinking about is a metric around the value of traffic that is more of a cost savings than an actual earnings. What do I mean by that? 
on Google, you can pay for Google Ads. That is a CPC metric, cost per click. So you're paying per click. If I, as a content creator, can create assets, create pieces of content that save us from having to spend money to Google Ads to capture traffic, there is value to be had in those pieces of content. We have produced content, you have probably created content that generates a significant amount of traffic. Instead of having to pay Google ads or instead of having to pay LinkedIn ads to reach that audience, you are saving the company money by creating organic content. So if we are generating on average 200 visits per day from LinkedIn, what would it cost us to get 200 visits from LinkedIn today with our ICP? Well, if you run into Google, if you go into LinkedIn ads manager, you can set up the details to run a sample ad against marketers within the US and see what it would take to get 200 clicks on an ad. It will project back to you the cost per click of all of those people. You multiply that by 200, $4 by 200 people, you now have the value of savings that you are giving the company by making this investment. You do that same thing on Google, on Reddit, on LinkedIn, on Twitter, et cetera, and you now have two key money-driven metrics that you can present back to the team. We're going to save the company X amount of dollars that would have had to be spent on Google Ads by doing organic distribution. We are creating these number of pieces of content and this many people are actually converting. That is the revenue ROI of this investment. Those are the two best ways that I have been able to see and empower and execute with teams to drive home the reason and way to invest in content distribution across the board. The cost saving, I think, is such a big, big thing because I'll give you a real world example. My newsletter, for example, yeah. 65% of traffic is organic and 35% is is paid. If you do blended CAC on that, now my newsletter goes from like a $5 like cost for like subscriber to like a, a $1, like $50. Right. So now like we've just saved three and a half dollars just by doing organic content to bring in subscribers to awesome. um and if you think i'm just doing a real world so people understand like the key is like it's not only like how many i'm going to drive it's also like how many more eyeballs could i get from from this versus that how many more i can and also you have to look at things as a blended cac version like if you look at like paid and say cac now is at a hundred dollars and now organic is brought in whatever and now blended cac has gone down to 50. you just say if we were only doing paid efforts it would have stayed at a hundred dollar cac so you just save that fifty dollars um, that's it for that's the company it. and it's the same um, way with reach right like if you if you're in a company that is actually just trying to build brand awareness like every organization's goals at a certain stage are going to be different but if a company says to you marketing team all we need is brand awareness. All of our sales efforts are done behind the scenes. Like we're just doing biz dev. We have a sales engine that's running and doing well. We just need to amplify our trust in the market. Then you look at something like impressions and you're like, okay, if we create 20 Twitter threads every single month, what is going to be our potential impression rate that we would be able to capture? And you can do this by looking at your past results. You can do this by leveraging analytics in Twitter to see like how many threads would it take for us to reach 1.5 million impressions? You can do all of that and use that data to present back to the team. 
This is why we need to constantly be developing threats. This is why we need to have that allocation. These are the types of things that you need to be thinking about. And I know a lot of marketers don't like to be in the spreadsheets, but this is how you actually grow your career. And I think, I know this is going offside from the content distribution a bit, but like if you want to grow yourself and your skill set as a marketer, you need to get closer and closer and closer to the money conversations. You need to get closer and closer to the savings conversations. It's great to talk about impressions. It's great to talk about likes. I love retweets. They are an amazing feeling, but they don't pay the bills. So what you need to do is try to think about ways that you can get closer to the money conversations. And by doing so, it's going to give you an easier way to get a promotion. It's going to give you an easier way to avoid any type of uh, backlash from the team saying you're not generating ROI for the company because you're closer to the money. So you want to try as much as possible to try to trickle your impact back to the dollar and the overarching business objectives. What if your audience is really small and limited to a rural geographic area, just two counties? Do you create your own Facebook group if there isn't one out there ready? 100%. You create your own Facebook group or you go into one because there is probably a group for your small county. It might be a buy and sell group that exists. It might be a marketplace group or it might be a community group where people are talking about who's having the barbecue this weekend or something like that. But you go into these groups. And if a group doesn't exist within your niche and your community, you create it and you own that group. And there's no better situation to be in than acting as the owner of the group because you now have the authority and the um, credibility to lead this group. Now, with that comes a whole bunch of can of worms. You now need to be committed to that educational, engaging, entertaining content on a regular basis. If you can do that consistently, then by all means, do it. But if you are not committed to this strategy and this approach, creating your own group is going to be difficult. I've seen companies create a group, think it's going to be great. They get thousands of people in it, and then they realize, oh, this is a job. We need to actually manage the dialogues and the conversations within this group. This is a thing to do. And then they let it dwindle. But I've also seen people run these groups successfully and be able to essentially run an entire economy and business model on the back of a Facebook group. That is, without question, another major possible opportunity for businesses. I've seen a group in the e-commerce space where they sell they sell out their product in a group before going public to the market with this new product launch. All they do is they put up a, group, a post in their group and they say, we're going to be offering this tomorrow. It's going to start at 2 p.m. And then a ton of people in the group get ready and get excited about it. And then they're there to buy. So leveraging a group is a massive opportunity, even in a rural area. A question I have for you, because I know a lot of people think about this, is that like, how do you balance that creation of good content versus hitting metrics for right. your, your company? Because I think a lot of people make that like making a mistake is they start heavily relying on the metrics, which makes them do bad content creation behaviors that in turn, long-term like ruin their efforts um, for the company. You have to embrace the idea of trying not to be overly sales focused with your story while still communicating the benefits of your offering and the thing that you're creating. So it's a, it's a fine line. No question about it. It takes a lot of skills from the writer, from the team to be able to think, how can I communicate about this product, this business, this service without selling? And the way that you do it is you stay 
benefit focused with your story and with your narrative. I think you can do it. I think it's possible. And I think there's a ton of examples of brands that have done it really well, but you need to find nuance in your storytelling to be able to supplement educational, valuable content with insights around how your product can benefit an audience and a customer and um, use that to really elevate your content marketing approach and the engine that you're running. I love that. I love that. And Chad, also, like, what are what are some good ways that you create content to drive people? Because I think there's there's two types of things, like non-click content, where it gets shared, it gets in Slack channels, it gets shared and stuff. And then there's also content, like, if you do a Twitter thread, you can insert a link. And if you do a LinkedIn post, you could edit posts or like what are like the the two different ways of like thinking like driving i think there's a few different types of content there's some con every piece of content that you create should have intent behind it and when i talk about intent it means what do you want this piece to do for you in the business some pieces of content that you develop are solely going to intend to rank in google Think about content that simply provides people with a definition if i'm going to create a piece of content that is built around what is a webinar, how it works and how to structure one. That's an educational piece of content. It might never be on my LinkedIn. It might never be shared on my social account because all I want to do is rank in Google for that piece. The intent is organic SEO traffic. But some pieces of content you intend on it being conversation starters, to be generating social media shares. This is the piece that you create that might empower other people. So you want to start your content with intent. And then when you're thinking about the intent of the content that you're creating, you have to ask yourself, how can I create something so good that when my competitors read it, they're left wondering how in the world I developed it, how we had the time to create it, how we were able to give away so much insight for free. That is the level that you want to get to with your pieces of content. Um, So people are left scratching their head thinking, wow, this was a good piece of content. I can't believe I got this for free. Any workshop that you recommend to get closure to money conversion? There isn't yet, but I would ask you to subscribe to my newsletter and maybe I'll bring something to life on that topic. It's something that I've heard a lot over the last few months. Like, how do you have those conversations internally around the actual ROI? So check out my newsletter, subscribe, and I'll definitely consider maybe in Q1 next year bringing something to life on that topic. Yeah, Ross is really good at listening to the audience and dropping content. So just get ready for that content to come soon. (laughs) A couple others. Tone of voice on LinkedIn, when when to know to stay on the formal side or where to draw the line or what should be? There's two different types of accounts on LinkedIn. There's your human account, your personal account, and your professional account. The professional account is the page in the business that you might be representing. And in those cases, unless you're a startup in early stage and you're just like trying to shake up the industry, then I would say... In those cases, do your thing. Like you can be controversial, you can be personal, you can be whoever you want to be. And that can drive great engagement for your company and your brand. That's an okay situation to be in. Once you hit a certain scale, when you have legal, once you have like a a big team, a corporate org, like that is when you do have to be more conscious. And in those situations, I ask you to just embrace the four E's. Go to those four E's and then try to find ways that you can inject your own story within it. But Tread the line based off of your own brand guidelines, your own brand stories, and the comfort levels of the team that you're surrounded by. Also, going back to those four E point is 
the four E's is rooted in understanding your audience. So yeah. like understand what your audience will like on that page. Like obviously if you have to teeter on the more formal side, still create content. You can create more professional content that's educational. Right. That has some spunk to it that doesn't have to be like crazy content that's some content like you don't have to go marketing millennials on people. Right. Like, right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, if you're trying to talk to the CIO or the an accountant, maybe you, you don't need to go all the way over to that like spectrum. But if you're talking to a marketer, if you're talking to a social media manager, have some fun. Like don't be afraid to like shake things up a bit. How do you like for like a Facebook group, I see this question, like how yeah. do you create content? Like just how do you get into Facebook that won't that don't want to be sold? and use your personal profile, take on oh, what you yeah. want to. Yeah. Great question. So you go into every Facebook group, every re- subreddit, any community with one focus, and that is to add value to the community that already exists. You need to go into these communities, not thinking first and foremost, how can I extract value? That should be in the back of your mind, but you should be thinking, how can you contribute value? And when someone puts up a post in a Facebook group, I saw someone talking about plumbing. Let's say they say, Does anyone in the community know what to do when you have a leak coming in through your door or coming in through your kitchen or something like that? You don't go in and you just say, oh, I can help you with this. Check on my link. Instead, you say, there are a few things that you want to consider when you have a leak in your kitchen. Is your AC on? Is this on? Are you finding that you're seeing humidity underneath this part of your sink? Is your fridge seeing this? Are you activating this, this, and this? You start to incorporate valuable answers. And then within all of these, you might say, we at this company also help clients figure out these types of problems. One of our clients most recently had this problem. So by saying it that way, you're not selling, but you're educating this person that, oh, the person responding to this one is an expert. Two, they actually have a company. Oh, they've tagged the company. Maybe I'm going to click on this and then go engage with that company. It makes it a whole different dialogue. You do this in Reddit as well. You always go in value first and then throughout you subtly reference insights that demonstrate that you're an expert, that you're a leader. And this is something that I've done time and time again. I have a post from like 2016 in Reddit where I help somebody understand how to use Instagram and monetize their account. And I get messages to this day from prospects, SaaS companies, businesses who seen that post and now want to work with foundation. So you go in value, value first, and then you'll be able to extract value second. One thing I also think that people forget is like content is a long game. And yeah. like you, you said it with Disney, but like <laughs> you've, you've created a post like probably like 10 years ago that is probably getting you leads today um, as a, so a lot of people like forget about that and you probably have repurposed that post probably like a thousand times already as well. hundred percent. You can't just think of it as a short term, like ROI boosting thing. You have to play that game. And a lot, I think this is a problem in the marketing industry in general. I know it's because of targets, but it's just like play the long game. But I think the last thing I want to do, cause I know we're running out of time is like give you a chance to say where people could find you also go follow the coolest cool that's him on twitter one of the best accounts i know he's he's everywhere though so you can go find him on a different channel i'll let you talk 
appreciate it. Yeah, no, I think like at the end of the day, I'm on all of your favorite channels, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, et cetera, um, at The Coolest Cool. Um, definitely subscribe to the newsletter. I dropped a link, foundationinc.co slash newsletter, where we share insights around SaaS and B2B marketing and all of that good stuff on a regular basis. We send out an email every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, it's an in-depth breakdown that shares everything there is to know about a certain topic that we find interesting. Um, we send out pieces that break down SEO strategies like Canva, which I've just dropped in the link, and so much more. On Thursdays, we do a roundup of what's going on in the industry, and I think folks would get a lot of value out of that as well. So um, I'm easy to find on the internet. If you do connect with me on LinkedIn, be sure to send me a note that just says, the marketing millennials, I heard you on here, et cetera, because my LinkedIn inbox is chaos, but uh, happy to connect with folks over there as well. And I'll do one more final plug, which is that our team is always looking for great marketing minds. If you are interested in the world of agency, if you are interested in client service and working with some of the fastest growing or important B2B SaaS companies in the world, Foundation's always hiring and looking to connect with great like-minded people. So be sure to drop us a line for that as well. Also, congrats on um, dropping a podcast that's coming out soon too. So I'm excited yeah, for that as well. I am as well. Create like the greats. Definitely hit the subscribe button. It's on all of the, the major platforms. Uh, we're going to be rolling out the first episode in a few weeks and I'm excited for it. Well, thank you for joining. This has been awesome. Thanks everybody for joining. I appreciate you all. And tune in next week. We have Ann Hanley for the final session on this content on Legends. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. Tune in next week to hear more great insights from marketing's coolest operators. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing to the Marketing Millennials podcast and giving it a five-star rating. It helps bring more marketers into our community.